former President Donald Trump was indicted today for trying to overturn his loss to Joe Biden. We have to win in November, or we're not going to have Pennsylvania. They'll change the name. They're going to change the name of Pennsylvania. Pennsylvanians have a unique role with democracy and freedom. We have seen Pennsylvanians rise up at the ballot box. The work of making this world resemble one that you would prefer to live in is a lunch pail job. Are you looking for some sweet progressive political gear? Then head over to truebluegear.com now for dozens of 100% original tees, mugs, and more for proud Democrats like you and me. True Blue Gear has a huge selection of colors, sizes, and styles for men, women, and kids. And as a special bonus for Keystone Reckoning podcast listeners, they are giving a 20% discount on your first order. Just enter the promo code Keystone at checkout for your 20% discount. Let everyone know how to make a political statement without those stupid red hats. Visit True Blue Gear. CNN projects Biden wins Pennsylvania. We were getting ready to win this election. Frankly, we did win this election. I just want to find uh, 11,780 votes. Guess what? America showed up. We are at war. The U.S. Capitol was overrun for the first time since 1814. Who could have seen this coming? Everyone. These are domestic terrorists. They're ripping it apart. Hi, and welcome to the Keystone Reckoning Podcast, Redistricting Live Take Edition. I'm Jesse White. I'm your host. It is Thursday, December 16th, and just a couple of hours ago, or within the last hour or so, we got our first look at the state legislative maps from the Redistricting Commission for the upcoming election cycle and for the upcoming decade. So I wanted to do a couple of quick hot takes on those uh, and kind of start to put some things into focus as, as the analysis becomes clearer. Um, just a note for those that are unfamiliar with the redistricting process. The way that this works is there are two different sets of districts. There are the congressional districts and then the state house and Senate districts. The congressional districts are voted on as a piece of legislation by the state house and Senate signed by the governor. That's an ongoing process. It's We've got a preliminary map, but that's going to change quite a bit. What we got today from the Legislative Redistricting Commission are the state house and Senate maps. Uh, the chambers do not vote on their own maps per se. The way it works is there is a member of each of the four caucuses, House and Senate, Democrat and Republican, that are uh, appointed to this commission. And then there is one person that is brought on board as kind of the chairman of the commission. And that is picked by the state Supreme Court. So 10 years ago, it was uh, a Republican pick. This year, it was a Democratic pick. The pick this year is Pitt Chancellor Mark Nornberg, and who I think did a, a, a very good job um, in looking at these maps and, and listening to him explain it. I think he did a very good job in, in, in trying to be as much of an honest broker as possible. As he says it, uh, he felt his job was to call balls and strikes. So Let's get into the actual maps. Uh, the, the first ones, let's talk about the Senate maps first. So there's 50 state Senate uh, seats, and it looks as though, uh, and, and the Democrats have not been in the majority in the state Senate for a generation at least. Uh, it looks as though there's a chance for that to change. Uh, what you're looking at in, in those maps, and I'm going to put a link into the into the the show notes here so people can see it. But what we're talking about is uh, a scenario where you've got based on the uh, based on the scenarios where there are 
multiple uh, where there are new districts. You've got if you look at the Shapiro statewide AG's race in 2020 and the Biden presidential, uh, it's either 26, 24 Democrats or 26, 24 Republicans, one or the other. So what you're really looking looking at are fairly easily. uh, It's it's a fair representation. And the idea that the commission has looked at, and I think this is really an important thing, is to try to find a way to make the the composition of the legislature comparable to the, the composition of the state. The challenge is, is that we have you know, most of the Democratic voters are concentrated in urban areas and or in the you know certain suburbs in the southeast. So it, it, you know the geography just makes it really difficult uh, in order to do that. Um, but I think that what the commission did this time around has done some pretty interesting things to try to uh, to to try to 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 make that happen in ways that didn't ten years ago. And just as a point of reference, uh, I was a member ten years ago. And I could tell you that rank and file members generally do not know what these maps look like until they come out. I remember sitting in my office in the Capitol and Mike Terzai announced that uh, from the House floor, basically announced that my district was going to be eliminated. And I like freaked out and it turned out I was going to run against uh, an incumbent. I was going to be we were going to be forced into a district uh, because that map was so over the top. The uh, it was overturned by the courts and ended up not being the map that we finally used. So these things can change. I think the odds of this map changing are a lot lower because I think there's a lot, it's a lot more transparent. And I, I, to be quite honest, the Republicans overshot their mark uh, 10 years ago. And I think the Democrats are trying to avoid making that mistake this time around. So anyway, that's the Senate map. Um, it looks as though, uh, and, and like I said, I'll have, I'm going to do a lot more deep dive detail on these. But I want to talk about the House map because I think that's the one that's the most interesting. Um, Republicans have had a majority in the House since 2010, which is was the Tea Party year, and then they, you know, the new maps bolstered that. So, uh, and they've had a sizable margin in the State House. Republicans have. Uh, that's probably going to change. Do I think that the Democrats can take the House? I'm not sure. Uh, I'd have to look at a lot more numbers. But there, you know, there are four in looking at this, there are four Democrat on Republican uh, votes uh, splits where a Democrat and Republican incumbent would run against one another. Um, And there are generally some pretty clear uh, winners and losers. The one is uh, in the seventh district, which is Representative Mark Longetti uh, versus uh, Pete Wentling. Uh, That's a. 55% Democratic district uh, that would favor Longetti there. And it's overwhelmingly uh, people from his old district. So that should be a safe keep. Um, One of the more interesting ones will be the 21st district, which is uh, progressive uh, Sarah Inamorato versus um, first-termer Lori uh, Mazgorski. And that is a – it's interesting because it's going to be a – 65%, 35% Democratic district, but it's actually going to be 24,000 people from Magurski's district going into Inamorato's district, which is uh, Shirley's only going to keep about 18,000 of her constituents. So she's going to have her work cut out for her in terms of getting to know people, but it should be a safe keep for the Democrats. Um, Another one is uh, Carrie Deloroso in the 32nd district. She's the one that took the old Frank Dermody seat, the former Democratic leader, the last cycle. 
Um, she's being moved into Tony DeLuca's district in Penn Hills, although I think he actually has a primary challenger. So that's going to be something to watch. But uh, that's going to be a 69% Democratic district. Um, and then the last one is the 49th district, which is Democrat Pam Snyder. Uh, and she's going to be facing Bud Cook. Uh, and he's going to be, it's going to be a 54% Democratic district, but that's the southwest corner of Pennsylvania, Green and Washington County by my old stomping grounds. And that's going to be a tough one, um, only in that you got a lot of conservative voters there. I mean, Pam Snyder should be a reliable, you know, she's a reliable performer down there. Uh, she's you know well suited to that district. But uh, it's not going to be a total slam dunk. Now, the interesting thing is Bud Cook, the Republican incumbent, is fairly well despised by the Republican establishment down there. They do not like him at all for a variety of reasons. So I think there was, you know, the caucus, I'm sure the Republican caucus had no problem throwing him to the wolves and being like, here, you know, go go fend for yourself. So those are the four Democrat on Republican incumbent matchups. Um, and to give you an idea of how bad this map is for the Republicans, there are there's only one Democrat on Democrat incumbent matchup, and that's Pam Delisio and Chris Robb, um, which is you know that that there's one, but you also have on the Republican side, uh, you have I see seven races where seven seats where you're going to have a Republican on Republican, um, the 125th. Lewis versus Kerwin, the 187th, McKenzie versus Day, the 55th, Silvis versus Brooks, 17th, which is Bonner versus Bernstein. Aaron Bernstein is a total piece of garbage, by the way. Um, the 86th is Hershey versus Stambaugh. The 117th is Two Hill, depending on the outcome of a special, and Karen Bobak. And my personal favorite, my old district, the 46th, um, Puskarek versus Jason Ortitai. Um, which, you know, as much as I dislike Jason Ortiz, he should probably be okay there. That 46th district actually went from being a Washington-Allegheny split to being a solely Washington County district again. Uh, so before the last redistricting, it was Washington and a tiny little bit of Allegheny and a tiny little bit of Beaver. Then it went to a Washington-Allegheny hybrid. Now it is a, it will be a total Washington County seat. Um, so that's where that goes. The other thing that was interesting was the redistricting commission has come out and passed some districts that are uh, basically designed to be majority minority seats, uh, areas that, you know, traditionally, uh, you know, may have been kind of high percentage Democratic districts. And now they're going to be a little more, uh, you know, a little less over the top. But there's going to be more of them. And one of the perfect examples is right here in the Harrisburg area, whereas before the city of Harrisburg was its own district, um, the 103rd, which is overwhelmingly Democrat. Now you've got uh, they're basically have split the city in half um, right along kind of a sort of along Market Street. Um, but they've created a one the, the 103rd now goes into uh, across the river to take in pieces of Camp Hill and Wormleysburg and Lemoyne. And then the one, the new 104th takes in High Spire, Hummelstown, Steelton, and the rest of the city. And that's going to be a, uh, a majority minority district for sure. Um, so there was a lot of that. There's also a new Democratic seat in Cumberland County. Um, unfortunately, I don't live in it. I live right next to it. Um, not that I want to run in it. I just would like to have a Democratic representative. Um, I still live in the 87th, which is Cheryl Delosier. So uh I believe they said there were seven places where there were new districts created where there are no incumbents 
that will allow for new minority representation. So, and it's, it's, I think a split between African-American and Hispanic. I believe two were in Philly. One is in Lehigh. I think one is in Lancaster. I, they, I know they split the city of Lancaster in half. Um, and to be quite honest, I'm not sure where the other one is. So now that I've kind of gotten past all the math, like I said, there's going to be a ton more to, to go through with all this and, and kind of dissect. Let's take a step back and look at the bigger picture, which is you've got uh, Kerry Bettinghoff, the Republican leader, like flipped a table in the redistricting commission hearing today. Like he just like flipped that. He's a pretty, he can get pretty worked up anyway, but he like lost his crap and saying this was a party partisan gerrymander and blah, 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 you know? And here's the thing, because you're going to be hearing a ton of this. Uh, so the way this works now that the preliminary maps are out, they passed three to two, the two Democrats and the chairman voted for them. The two Republicans voted against them. That's, you know, that was what was going to happen. Um, there are, there's a 30 day period now for lawsuits that any interested party can file uh, to to deal with this. So there will be some tweaks. I, I this you know it's rarely is the preliminary map the final map. Um, you know, and there may be some horse trading that goes on behind the scenes within the caucuses and, and whatever. Um, but you know, I don't see a fundamental change. Like I don't see this map being thrown out like the maps were ten years ago where they actually used the old maps for an extra cycle and then did new ones for you know, two years later. I think it's going to be more about, you know, some individual little tweaks. The, the thing that the Republicans are going to scream about and are screaming about is the unfairness of all of this. And here's the point that you need to remember. Yes, this is a democratic skewing map. Okay. Without, without even having all the numbers in front of me, like it's obvious this map is definitely more democratic leaning than the previous one. However, a couple things to remember. Chancellor Nuremberg actually said in his comments that the, both of these maps actually favor Republicans, mainly just because of the geographic restrictions that, that are facing it. I mean, this is not like a slam dunk Democratic map. It is a more fair map for Democrats. It is a competitive map for Democrats unlike what we've had in the past. So yes, to the Republicans, if you are a Republican Republican partisan or Republican legislator, yes, this is an incredibly unfair map for you. But in order to be an unfair map for the Republicans, it is a more fair map for democracy. And that's the that yeah, you know, that's the baseline we need to work from. The baseline shouldn't be what was the new map compared to the old map. It should be what is the new map compared to what the state should look like. And that's a really important distinction because the problem is, you know, we basically had like two cycles. You're looking at over 20 years of like institutional bias towards Republicans in these seats, you know, where and to be honest, and this is a topic for another day, but, you know, the Republicans made these maps so Republican. That I think if they had it to do over again, going back to like 2010, I think they would actually have not done it. Because the problem is, when you look at kind of the extremism and the outright insanity coming out of legislative Republicans, especially in the House, 
a lot of that happened because they made the district so Republican that there was no way a Democrat could win. So the whole election was the Republican primary. Well, there's no crazier election on earth than a Republican primary. So it was like a race to the bottom. So what you saw were moderate Republicans just getting their asses kicked out of office in favor of these, you know, what they called the Neanderthal caucus when I was there, you know? And so you saw the, the caucus take this incredibly hard right turn because it was, you know, the, 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 the reddest of the red survived. And so the, the, you know, the deal makers, the moderates, the, the people that you could work with were, they were gone. They got voted out by their own party, you know, cause there's a huge difference if you have a, 65% Republican district, which is still a solidly Republican district, as compared to an 80% Republican district, which is what you had in some places. And because when you have an 80% Republican district, all you have to do is fire up the Republican base. And unfortunately, we all know how that works, and you can win. But if it's a, you know, if there's still 35% Democrats out there, you have you can make the argument uh, of electability. Look, I've got to be I can't be crazy as I could, you know, I'll be a Republican, but I can't be insane because, you know, I still need to be elected. Uh, and I wonder if, you know, you got these leaders drunk from 10 years ago and said, hey, you know, knowing how this all shook out, would you have done it again? And I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to it, but it definitely changed the dynamics in a fundamental way. Um, it, it really, really did. So, you know, there, you know, like with any redistricting process, there are winners and losers. Uh, you know, so you're looking at a number of, of incumbents that are going to be pitted against each other. Here's the thing, though. A lot of times, you know, there are, there are escape routes being planned, right? You know, this doesn't happen in a, in a vacuum. Uh, you know, I, I would be willing to bet that no, none of these folks that are facing primaries or, or, or competitive elections you know, I, I highly doubt that they're going to be, you know, in a bread line anytime soon, you know, positions open up, things are made easy. There's, you know, there's, there's arrangements that are made, whatever, um, right, wrong or different. That's generally how it goes. So, you know, we won't really see, I, I, the people that generally really get screwed are challengers, right? Uh, an incumbent can, you know, maybe bend the process a little bit to freeze out a potential challenger. Um, you know, because here's the thing, unlike congressional races where you just you don't have to live in your district to run, the law requires you to live in your district for one year prior to being elected. So and we're, we've already passed that threshold, right, because the election will be November 2022. So it's not even like if I was going to live in District A and run in District A against an incumbent and now I live in District B. I can't move back over to district A. It's too late. It doesn't work that way. So there's a definite, you know, in some ways, there are a lot of people that are just kind of frozen out um, and they'll have to make those adjustments. So it'll be interesting to see of the folks that have already announced they were running even when they didn't have a place to run. And there are a couple that I'm that are popping into my head. I'm not going to say anything yet because I don't have the... I have the map in front of me on Dave's. If you go to Dave's redistricting, they actually have it. Um, the And if you look on Twitter and stuff, you can find it. It hasn't been a, quote, officially released yet where they have like the description of the townships and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I don't want to speak out of school and say something that's not 100% accurate. But 
there will be a series of, uh, I, I think you'll see a series of challengers that were the, the steam will have effectively been taken out of their their engines because they just, uh, you know, the district isn't what they thought it was going to be yesterday, uh, and that's just the the you know kind of the the price you pay um, for being on the outside looking in. But not that, and to be clear, not that incumbent legislators have a ton of say in this. I, I mean, I could tell you, ten years ago, we all sat in our office and offices and did Dave's redistricting app and drew up our our dream districts and. You know, there's a, a point person in every caucus that you would give this information to, um, but at the end of the day, the leaders had, a, a, you know, the lion's share of the say into what happened. So if you're on the outs with leadership, like I mentioned, Bud Cook down in Washington County, um, you know, you can expect to see that reflected in the maps. Um, I know back in the day, the previous redistricting, the, the one in 2000, you know, there were stories of a lot of vendettas being carried out among leadership and everything, even at the expense of losing seats. And we're talking like the Bill DeWeese era. Um, you know, there there was a lot of they, they used that to get rid of people they didn't like uh, or that didn't fall into line. So there's a lot of that kind of stuff that goes on. But um, to anybody that thinks that rank and file legislators have the ability to draw their own seats, I'm telling you right now that's simply not the case. It's just, you know, I know the uh, the the conspiracy theorists and all of us want to believe that you know that everybody's in on it. Um, I can tell you rank and file lawmakers are as in the dark as the entire public is until right before the maps come out. So just something to keep in mind. So it'll be interesting to see the reactions from folks and how it's all going to go. Um, and there'll be a lot more to it. I know we're going to be, I'm going to be back on sooner than later. Uh, I have a couple of potential guests lined up uh, to be able to talk about that, uh, and, you know, f- from a more technical point of view and there'll be a lot more coming out, but I just wanted to get in here and give my uh, preliminary thoughts uh, to, to kind of get out ahead of it. And I think there are definitely opportunities for Democrats. Uh, I think this is a, uh, a, a fair map. Again, it won't be a final map, but it is a fair map as fair as could have been expected. Uh, Republicans are going to hate it, but it's only because it's not rigged the way they want it to be as, a, as, as rigged as it's been in the past. Um, so remember that as you're, you know, you know, as a talking point, when you're hearing Republicans cry and complain, um, you know, that this is, this is water, the, the level of the water writing itself, you know, this is not some diabolical plot. This is, uh, kind of a reversal of the existing diabolical plot, so to speak. So that's where it's at. Uh, and I will have more on these maps and more, there's a lot going on, a lot more to discuss, but I just want to get out in front of it right now. So thank you for taking the time to join us. Uh, and if you like the work that we're doing, please take the time to donate to the Keystone Reckoning Pack. That's keystonereckoning.com. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. That's it then. We've saved people the trouble of voting. What's next? Our, our point is that it's. I understood the point. We're going to South Carolina to set up Illinois. When I ask what's next, it means I'm ready to move on to other things. So, what's next? We're done. Fantastic.